Welcome to Done With Debauchery, a sobriety and wellness podcast where you'll hear honest experiences about navigating life and relationships without alcohol, how to pursue your own personal wellness journey, and share intimate conversations with special guests. I'm your host, Keisha Scott. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Done With Debauchery. I'm your host, Keisha Scott. I want to start off by saying thank you to everyone who listened to my first solo episode. Anyone who listened, liked, shared, uh, it really means a lot to me, so thank you so much. On this week's episode, I'm joined by a lovely guest, but before we get to that, I want to let you know about an interview I actually got to do. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you may not have seen that I was a guest on a Sober Girls Guide podcast last week. Anyone in the sober community knows how big of a deal that is. I got to chat and have a really personal conversation with Jessica. I opened up about my life growing up, how some events impacted my relationship with drugs and alcohol from a young age, and so much more. It's a great episode. I'd love for you to listen to it. So you can head over to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. She's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, and give it a listen. My guest on the show this week is Sarah Kate from Some Good Clean Fun. Sarah has been rethinking her drinking for over two years and now runs a lifestyle platform for women who are interested in living an alcohol-free lifestyle or maybe rethinking their drinking. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation, so let's jump right in. Hi, Sarah Kate. How are you? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on today. I am so excited that we're doing this. Uh, We were just chatting for a few minutes before hitting record, and I feel like there is just such a good energy that I was like, we got to just start this now and get it it on. Totally. Totally. I'm so excited to talk to you today, too, and thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So maybe we can start with just uh, learning a little bit about you. Who are you? What's your relationship with alcohol? And if you could tell us uh, about some good clean fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. So um, I'm Sarah Kate and I am, uh, you know, a Torontonian mom of two, uh, lifetime sort of health conscious person. I used to work in marketing and PR uh, for a really long time. Um and uh, I, uh, you know, I've, I made a shift in my life when I, uh, when I decided to give up alcohol. And uh, so I, I know this is a very short answer to a, like a long question, but I'm trying to keep this short. But basically, I, uh, you know, I, I spent, I spent the last two years uh, rethinking drinking. So I've, I've um, created this platform, somegoodcleanfun.com, which is a lifestyle um, a non-alcoholic or alcohol-free lifestyle website that does alcohol, alcohol-free, alcohol-free drinks, and you know some li- lifestyle content around living an alcohol-free lifestyle. Um, around this platform, of the idea of rethinking drinking, and uh, it's um, the approach that I've I, that I you know I've spent the last two years working on this. But it's this idea that it's not just um, you, that we have to rethink drinking on a personal level, but on a societal level as well. So. Um, it might not be all obvious in my content when I'm when you know that that's where I'm going with this, but really I think that from a societal level, there's a lot of people out there right now who are sober curious, rethinking drinking, and it's really exciting. But nothing is going to change in our society unless we look at it from a from a societal level as well. So 
where are these influences coming from? And, you know, how can we use, how can we look, question those things a little bit closer so that we, we can make the best decisions for ourselves um, because we haven't been fully armed with all the information. And so that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to arm people with both the information to critically assess like the role of alcohol in their lives, but also give them something else to drink. You know, you yes. can have your, you can have your cake and you can have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> yes. And I love what you said about it really being like a bigger issue and something that is happening on a societal level because we don't really have all the information. Like for so long, it didn't even cross my mind that not drinking alcohol was just the solution. Like that there's so many other options out there for us. Like, and you truly are the alcohol free drink expert. Like that's how we connected as well on Instagram. Um, I have purchased some non-alcoholic wine and cocktails from you, which have all been exceptional. And yeah, you really also like opened my eyes to this whole other kind of like network out there of of options. Yeah, and I think that's what the the key is like that when somebody is making the decision to, and this is a sort of a deeper topic we can get into after, but um, you know, when somebody's making the decision to, you know, they want to reduce their drinking, they want to moderate um or they want to quit or whatever. There's a lot of like mental work that has to be done, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, but the two things that I think that, you know, AA and some of these other programs don't deal with is they don't teach people how to look critically at the influence of alcohol in their lives. So um, that's number one. But then number two, we're trying to stop a habit. So when you are stopping smoking, a lot of people switch to vape. Yeah. Um. Because and a lot of people don't like the patches and the gums because it it doesn't replace the feeling of having something in their it between their fingers. That's mm-hmm. part of the equation of quitting smoking is that you've had something between your fingers. Uh, smoking for you know however long you smoke. With drinking, it's the same thing. You want to have something in your hand. You're not just trying to work on mentally like, do I need this substance? You're also having to change a physical habit of holding a drink in your hand. And it's really disappointing when you've got, you know, a glass of orange juice and everybody else is drinking sparkling wine, right? Yeah. Or, or whatever, you're at brunch and you can't have the, the mimosa, you just have to have orange juice. So I think that that's a huge part of the equation is that, you know, non-alcoholic drinks are getting better and better. And it's, it's opening that world up to people and, and helping them understand that if you drink a glass of wine every night and there's one night a week you don't want to, but you don't want to miss out on having something, there's an option for you. And that's one step toward you drinking less. In my mind, it's one step helping that person say, you know what, tonight, I'm going to have a glass of great non-alcoholic wine, or a non-alcoholic cocktail, instead of my regular glass of wine. And that's one step. um, The way that I position it is that it's one step further away from breast cancer, one step further away from, you know, the, the, the effects of drinking. Um, when you have that one less glass of wine a week, it's like, you know, it's a baby step, but it's getting it's going in the right direction. So helping people understand that they can have they can have you can be a drinker and have a non alcoholic drink. It doesn't mean that you're an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that for me, when I was drinking, a lot of it was that ritual, like getting home from work, it being a certain time, you wanting to unwind and only having or only feeling that I had wine as an option. And now it's like, I still have those feelings that I want to let loose and relax at the end of the day. But now I have two different non-alcoholic wine options. I have three different canned mocktails, all are delicious. So I'm not going to the sink and pouring myself a glass of tap water and trying to 
make it into a full experience. Like we have these delicious options. Yeah. yeah. And we, and you make a really good point actually. And this is something that um, you, I try and get people more cognizant about when I'm talking to them is that you, you go home at five o'clock and you want to unwind and you've been taught your whole life that, you know, women need their wine and it's our time to unwind at five o'clock. Right. And yeah. if it, it, whether you're a young professional coming home from the office or you're a mom coming home from work and having to make dinner and grabbing a glass of wine while you're cooking, yeah. we've been trained for the last, you know, 20 years since sex in the city, really. I think, you know, I'm, I'm historically, I can just, I, I know that I'm older than you. I'm just going to say, I'm not <laughs> going to tell you how old I am, but like, historically like I was sort of you can kind I can kind of look back and think about when this started and it really like sex in the city was one of the things that was like glamorized drinking and being sexy in the city yeah you know yeah and uh and so you've been trained to come home every day and have a glass not every day but to come home after a hard day and have a glass of wine and unfortunately what we don't we we're not armed with the information that you might be relaxed for 15 minutes but then your body actually go wants to maintain homeostasis and it floods your your brain with mm. um, chemicals that reduce that good feeling of dopamine and make you yeah. feel like garbage. <laughs> so it's yeah, like all the things that you're trying to escape by having that glass of wine, the anxiety, the stress that comes back full throttle immediately after. And for me, that was a big factor in cutting alcohol out was because I had such a mental hangover the next day that I just I couldn't stand to be with myself. Oh yeah, that's the worst. Like, and you know, I for me it was gradual. It was like when I was in my twenties. Yeah, there were moments where I was like, "Oh my god, I am so disgusting! I can't believe I drank for fourteen hours straight." Like, you yeah. you know. But then you have kids, and it's like it slowly creeps up on you. You're like, you know, you're having a glass of wine or two in the evening, and you're you're not sure if you hate yourself or not <laughs> the next morning. You just are not. You're just out of sorts, and then. Yeah, it slowly creeps up on you when you realize that you've like you are you, you're not you can't live with yourself like you don't like yourself anymore and that like you can't stand being with yourself because it's like what are you doing to yourself what are you doing to yourself um so it wasn't really the loathing that the lo that self-loathing that you're talking about yeah. um you know it it slowly creeped up on me in my 30s and 40s because in my 20s I was like yes like everybody drink let's do it you know yeah, that's how I was in my 20s too, working in uh, the service industry, nightclubs. It was always just a part of my lifestyle. And now I'm in my early 30s now. And it wasn't until my late 20s that I really started having these feelings about like, this doesn't feel right, like something is wrong. And it's only in the last two years that I've really been able to step back and and really look at what was the, the constant in all of those experiences. Um, but it... So do you feel that when you became a mom, you felt the pressures of like that mommy wine culture, mommy juice? Was that something that you experienced? So that's interesting because I've talked to a lot of women who weren't heavy drinkers until they were moms. Mm -hmm. But I am one of those people that loved alcohol from the minute I tried to taste it. And like from when I was, well, maybe not, but like, you know, I'm thinking back in high school. I didn't, when I grew up, when I grew up, I grew up in a small town in Ontario. Everybody drank Molson Canadian. So I, I didn't love Molson Canadian. When I, when I really started loving alcohol was when I tasted wine in university. Okay. And that's, that was my thing. And so I always tell people this story. There was a raver, this woman that was this like amazing, like raver that lived next to me in the dorm next to me. And one day it was like great first year of university. 
one night we were going out to pub night and she had a bottle of Piador, this like cheap white wine. And she poured the entire bottle in like a juice tumbler and drank it with a straw. And I thought it was the most cool, glamorous thing oh, I'd no. ever seen in my whole life. Oh no. And that there was no looking back for me. So that memory is like, that's a core memory for me. I'm like, it's indelible in my mind. And that is the moment where I was like, I really love wine. It's sexy. It's glamorous. Yeah. I'm never going to, I'm never going to look like Alex because she's so cool, but like, and I'm never going to have her life, but like I can drink wine with a straw out of a glass mm -hmm. and like, it's cool. And, um, I never, I like, I always loved wine. I always loved drinking. And like, you know, I, I was that one that was like St. Patrick's day, you know, it's an, it's, it's just an, ex not an excuse. I loved St. Patrick's day because I could get as blottoed as I wanted. And it was just yeah. like, everybody else was too. Yeah. Nobody knew that like on <laughs> other days, I, you know, I was secretly, not secretly, but on other days I secretly wanted to, to drink more yeah, or no, was drinking more. Yeah. And, and then, but then, it, but so then I had kids and it actually, I, it wasn't, I, I didn't feel with my first daughter. I didn't like, or sorry, my first kid with my daughter. Um, I didn't feel the urge to drink as much. Like it was, you know, I went the nine months in pregnancy without drinking and, um, you know, and then the first couple of years of her life, I don't remember feeling like I wanted to go out and drink and I had a drink here and there. And it wasn't there. I wasn't into the mommy wine culture at that point. There was even the, the crowd that I hung around with. We didn't have wine at play dates. It wasn't until my second came around that, um, you know, when I was nursing him, I was, you know, I remember it was, he was born in the winter and it was around Christmas time and somebody had given us a bottle of like uh, chocolate flavored vodka. And I remember like pulling it out of the freezer and having a, you know, just pouring some into a glass. Cause I'm like, I just need just, you know, I just want to have a drink. Cause I was mm -hmm. so stressed out from like the kit, but the baby and baby crying and my two and a half and my three and a half year old getting her to daycare, my husband, my dog, like, um, and I clearly remember like, you know, if there was no wine in the house, I was just taking nips here and there throughout the day of like, not the whole day, but of the evening of like, of yeah. this chocolate covered vodka, like from the freezer, like, I yeah. And then I, that's when like some the mommy group I started hanging around with, it was like a new group of moms and they were drinking wine at play dates. So that's, you know, that kind of like, I, that's when I really like around when my second was born, when I really started to like lean on wine as the thing I did every day. I'd always loved drinking wine, but then it became just part of my DNA. And mm -hmm. then when your kids start saying things like, oh, it's, what does mommy want for Christmas? More wine right and you don't it's cringe now that I look back at that I'm like oh my god yeah. so cringy like so yeah. cringy but you don't see it at the time like you don't see it in the in the moment and you just laugh but deep down inside you it, it's uncomfortable this is the thing this is the thing and if I could if somebody's listening to this right now and they're questioning like you know uh their relationship with alcohol you know deep down in your gut and so even though you're laughing on the surface at these things, there is somewhere deep inside of you where it feels uncomfortable and some, you know, something is wrong and something is off. Yeah. And I, I just encourage people to like, trust their gut instinct more. Uh, and then don't be afraid to like, take that next step. And, and you don't have to go to AA. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. mean you're an alcoholic. It just, arm yourself with the information when you're making choices. That's all I ask. Yeah. I love that. And I think that that is such a, an important point. It's like, you don't have to decide today that you're never drinking alcohol again, but follow that intuition, take a break for a few days, for a week, see how you feel. Like that's something that I believe in so strongly is that there's not one linear path to getting sober. 
AA, I think is excellent for some people. I did try a couple meetings and it wasn't a fit for me for whatever reason. It also was during the pandemic. It was virtual. Maybe I would have had a different experience in person, but it just wasn't a fit. Um, yeah. Did you go, can I ask if you went to AA or if you did the 12 Never. Step? Never did it. Never. Um, I, okay. So here, this is actually a good question because I, I, I like to share this. I have a bit of a, not an interesting way that I stopped drinking, but I knew, I knew I'm like, I have to stop. And I had tried to, you know, half, half heartedly tried to kind of like cut back. And I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. And it's like, we have this funny idea of what, um, like healthy drinking levels are. And it's like, well, I didn't get drunk. So I'm fine. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm, do, I'm moderating because I didn't get drunk. And so that was kind of my thing. I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna have one glass of wine. And then I could never just have one. And I finally realized like, this is serious. And I started getting really fucking scared, really scared, like deep down in my heart and in my gut and my soul, I was scared shitless. I was like, this is not me. I have an addiction. Like all of a sudden I'm like, oh my, see, I'm starting to get teary. because I'm, I'm like, like getting just, emotional listening to you because I, I, I can relate to those feelings. Yeah. Where you wake up and you're just like, oh my God, I'm so fucking scared. Like, this is not me. This is not me. And this is mm. not, I don't want to be that person that has an addiction. Like, so I, I downloaded this funny, this is such a funny story because like, I, like I, people who have had drinking problems, they, they, they will laugh. I downloaded this app called drinks tracker. Okay. <laughs> as if I needed an app to track my drinks. Yeah. Like you don't, you know, in your head how much you yeah. drink. Too it's much. kind of like if you're Googling, am I an alcoholic? Like there's a problem with there's a problem there. and you you don't, you shouldn't have a drinks tracker. Yeah. Like that's not going to help you. Yeah. It's right. Like, so because moderation doesn't work, we all, and that's in a whole other story, but some people think moderation can work, but it, it really doesn't. When you have a problem, it, it really doesn't. And that's so, what I say too. I'm like, if you are able to like go out consciously, have a glass or two of wine and go home, you're not moderating. You, like you just have a reasonable relationship. Relationship. Yeah. 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 And I think like, I couldn't like, excuse me, I couldn't do that. So, so I downloaded this app, a drinks tracker and it's a, what it does is it connects you in, in a chat with other people who have downloaded the app. And usually oh. I feel that, that that those kinds of things before I quit drinking, I would have looked at something like that as a bit weird. Like, oh, I don't want to talk to strangers on an app. Like yeah. what? But now on the flip side, and I'll get back to my story in a second, but on the flip side, I've realized how important community and connection is, right? And so now I understand why they do that because so we're in this chat and there's, you know, there's some really, some, women and men in that group that had really serious issues and you know they chatted had you know I was at work and I I'm a nurse and I saw the liquor store across the street out my office window and I went and I grabbed like sh shooters mm. to have on my break and I'm like you're scary yeah scary right so I'm not saying my problem wasn't does like it's just a different frame of reference of what yeah. everybody's problem is so um in that chat one day somebody said one of the guys was like hey just chiming in here haven't haven't talked to the group for a while but i've you know 30 days without alcohol and i we were all like what how did you do that and he's like oh i read this book called this naked mind mm. I'm like what's that i immediately literally went and downloaded it and started reading it and so the thing that i loved about this naked mind is right the first That's time Annie Grace. Like, yeah annie grace yeah. this naked mind 
you she says the very first sentence is like you don't have to stop drinking to read this book i'm not telling you to stop drinking right now but by the time you're finished this book you're not going to want to drink again and honestly that is absolutely correct like that is exactly what happened so as i was reading her book and she says like try not to be drunk when you're reading try and take in the information and that was fine like every once in a while i'd have a glass of wine and i'd read this book and like i knew in my mind i had to moderate and i had decided in the middle of march or the first week of march 2020 i had decided that april 6th was going to be the day i was starting her 30 day alcohol ch- alcohol free challenge she called uh what did she call it? i forget she alcohol free yeah i can't remember either it's been a long time but like it was it, it was it was like there's there's an app and everything now but long story short you know i went on the online portal every day during the pandemic during the beginning days of the pandemic and i logged my emotions i logged i answered all the questions and i think i went you know probably a couple like three weeks or so and then a girlfriend i was on her porch and she's like do you want to have some wine i'm like just a little bit i'll just have a half a glass and so i had half a glass but then i felt like I had disappointed myself. I was so mad at myself that I went most of the rest of the month without of that 30 days without having anything. And then kind of slipped back into some bad habits again. Nothing serious though. Like in my mind, I was quitting drinking. I had decided. Yeah. And it took me, it took me quite a while. So after it took me until Christmas to really finally be like, yeah, I don't like this anymore. So I call that rethinking drinking. And this is the foundation of my platform is that just because you have a have a drink in this time period when you're like, I want to quit, I don't want to drink anymore, you are not a failure. Mm-hmm. You are rethinking drinking. And all I'm asking is, you know, actually here, let me let me just go back here for a second. Um, there's a, there's these two beautiful women from um out on the East Coast in Canada, and they run this program called Your Way Weight Loss. And they they are all about like calorie reduction and awareness. And you're not going to lose weight overnight. You're not going to lose weight in a month. It's going to take you a long time. It's a journey. It's going to take you a long time. But you have to have you have to be armed with the information about calorie deficit, and you have to be um, aware of what you're putting in your mouth and move your body. And it's such a basic concept. It's like such an easy. But that I realized as I've been following them and listening to them, that's exactly what rethinking drinking is as well. It's like it is a a long. It it could be a long road. And, but all I ask is for people to be aware and be armed with the information to make the choices. Is this healthy for you? Is it is it something you want? Are you making this choice because you're you have a narrative in your mind that this is what people do? Do you think that's the only option? Like so, that's that's sort of how um, re- my rethinking drinking journey went. It was like I was rethinking every day. What is the influence of society on this moment? Like I'm at a anniversary dinner and I had a glass of wine. And then another one. And then the next morning, I'm like, I, I assess. I wasn't mad at myself, but I was like, okay, why did I, what were the influences there? I was at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It was an anniversary. I wanted to celebrate, um, you know? And so instead of being like, hey, everybody, it's day one again. No offense to anybody who does that. But I, I feel sure. like, like, I felt this internal voice of like, don't keep saying it's day one. You already had your day one. Your day one was April 6th. And so when people ask me, how many days have you been sober? I'm like, well, I've been alcohol free. I've been living an alcohol free lifestyle since April 6th. But there have been times when I, you know, there was, there was an eight month window of rethinking drinking. Yeah. <laughs> in there. yeah. 
And it is such a process and like getting to the point in your life where you do need to rethink your drinking and rethink your relationship with alcohol, getting there didn't happen overnight. So it can be like unrealistic to expect that huge change. Just one day you decide you're not never going to drink again and then you don't. And some people that does happen and that's incredible and congratulations to them. But like for me also, that was not that was not my experience. I started with a dry January, cut out alcohol for the month of January. By the end, I was feeling, wow, I'm actually like feeling good. All of these sort of mental health issues, my anxiety, all these things I was struggling with feel a little lighter. So yeah. I went into a few, I did three months. Then I came back to Toronto. I had been in Winnipeg visiting family during the pandemic as well. I came back to Toronto and now we're creeping into summer. So then I went back to drinking for the summer. And again, it's like that societal influence. I'm going to cottages. I'm going to restaurants. I want to sit on a patio with my friends. Yeah. And it was kind of that stop you, and start. Yeah. And it's funny. A lot of people have said, well, I'm at a, I want to go to a patio. <clears throat> I want to sit on a patio with my friends. And a, a friend of mine actually texted me. She said, you know, I... I haven't seen her for a long time. And so she was just sharing some of her, um, like she's uh, struggling with fertility. And so she's not only trying not to drink around the windows of time where she wants to get pregnant, but um, you know, she's also, she says, your content is helping me check myself. Do I need to have a drink when I'm on it, on a, grabbing a bite on a patio with a friend or do I want to be with a friend? Yeah. Like, is it, what is it that's caught? And so I always, I've said this a few times in other things, another podcast, another like writing I've done is that like, we have forgotten how to connect with each other without alcohol. And we have forgotten what a joy it is to talk to people, to talk to each other over a bite to eat. Yeah. Without, without dulling our senses and dulling the experience. Right. So yeah, totally. That's, that's the cultural um, pressure that you had. You, you totally face that. Actually, I made a note, you and your, um, your co, what was your co-host name? Or Her name what's your Denise. Co-host? Denise. Yeah, yeah. Denise. So she said that, um, she said something really interesting in your moderation one um failed moderation yeah she said like you have just have to be careful about surrounding yourself with people that put you in those dangerous situations and I was like I said that's a I thought that's a really great point because it's like that's such an important part of moderation is like of balancing that of knowing when you're you can you can put up that boundary knowing that it's going to be a night of debauchery yeah yeah (laughs) right and like maybe you maybe you don't go to that thing one time because you know that that's going to be putting you in danger, a dangerous situation and yeah. moderating doesn't work. Right. So it's like, those are, the, unfortunately, I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be totally frank about this. Unfortunately, this is one of the things that falls away when you do stop drinking is you are going to lose some friends in your life and yeah. you aren't going to be, you aren't going to be included in some things anymore. And that's the reality you have to choose. Do You want to keep going down that path with those people and going to those events. Is that bringing you joy? Or can you replace or like, can, do you want to swap it out with like, you know, I'm not saying all your friends are going to fall off the fall by the wayside, but there are going to be people and experiences you're not going to go to because of that. And, um, uh, the reward is like, you have to swap it. Like, yeah, there's going to be some, there are going to be some trade-offs. You can't have it all. And I'm sorry if this is hurting people's feelings out there who are hoping to hang on to all their, their drunk friends, but the, it's hard to be part of that. And, it's not them necessarily too. It's you grow out of it. You grow out of that experience, right? Yeah. Relationships are bound to change and not everyone is going to come with you. And that can be a really hard pill to swallow, especially with relationships that you've had for years that now when you're 
finding yourself essentially in sobriety, you're peeling back all these layers and you're realizing, okay, maybe I don't actually have anything in common with these people besides our, our shared desire to get drunk and to get fucked up yeah. and have these drinks. Yeah. Um, and it can feel really isolating, especially at the beginning. For me, yeah. it was a period of time where I really did pull back from even my friends who were supportive of my sobriety, because I didn't feel like I trusted myself to go into these social situations and even just say no to the waiter when they come by and say, can I get anybody a drink? Like, yes, please. Like I want a glass of rosé. So it can be, again, like really isolating. And now you're going to pull out a bottle of Smoky Bay Rosé and you're going to say, I brought my own, thanks. With my own straw. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they actually have. Oh my God, just sidebar everybody. Um, Oddbird, which is a really, really great brand of non-alcoholic sparkling wine, like what some the best to me, the best in the world. They now have small little Piccolo bottles. So, you know, oh, you can perfect. you can walk around with one of those with a straw. Absolutely. Perfect for those summer park <laughs> hangs if you're going. Yeah, I mean, I would totally bring that to a patio on my own. 100%. 100%. Like, and you probably don't even have to pay a corkage fee for a small yeah. bottle like that. <laughs> yeah. They'll just, every time I'm sure they'll be walking by wondering, like, what are they having? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're included. And then this way you feel included, right? And yeah. Yeah. It's that's the thing. And I'm sorry that you, you know, you, you pulled back and uh, hopefully like, you know, things have, you, you know, you've kind of found your footing again, but I think that yeah. does happen. I do believe, I think that happens. I was lucky because it happened during the pandemic. Uh, sorry, I went, I went through the pandemic without drinking and I came out the other side of the pandemic and I'm like, where is everyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all my friends had kind of fallen off the, like, not all my friends, but like, you know, a lot of them have gone there, gone separate ways and things like that. So um, it's, it's, been a little bit of a different experience for me because I'm like I'm super comfortable with myself and hanging with myself and like going out for walks by myself and like going to restaurants by myself and stuff and uh um I know I know though that that's difficult for you know people who are in their 20s and single possibly single for instance you know and being by yourself is hard because that's a time in your life when you're with other people you're you want to be with other people you want to hang with other people Mm -hmm. and like go out and experience life so um I've got my kids too my kids are really supportive and so it's like you know we've become closer as a family unit definitely like um because I'm more present and that's beautiful uh, yeah I love that I love that. So do you have any advice that you can leave with us for any listeners that are maybe just starting out on their sobriety journey or are sober curious? So yeah, I think my biggest, biggest advice is read the book, read this naked mind, and just take the first step. So you're never going to regret it. I'll tell you that you will never there'll be moments of FOMO for sure. But like, you're never going to regret saying like, I'm not drinking tonight, like, you'll feel good in the morning, like, you know, you'll you'll be feel more present in the situation. Um, But yeah, so read the book, this naked mind, you don't have to give up drinking for the rest of your life, like today, Uh, read the book, and you will learn a lot about alcohol, which will help arm you with that information. Because we haven't as a society, we don't talk about um, about that, like, as a woman, I know explicitly down to the molecular level, like what fat does in our systems, right? Yeah. There's books written on like how fat metabolizes and this and that and the other thing. We all know how <laughs> calories burn and that this yeah. calorie is better than calorie. And like this, you know, we know so much, especially as women about food, nutrition, diet culture, how our bodies work on food and stuff like that. And, and um, I, nobody, uh, people are shocked 
when I tell them that alcohol is ethanol. It's the same mm-hmm. thing you power your, you fuel your car with it. A carcinogen, cancer causing, proven. But nobody has, we don't talk about what it does to your body, right? Like how, why is it a carcinogen? What does it do? Like, mm. that's very, that's very scientific, but like, you know, we understand how smoking causes lung cancer. Yeah. Right. And so we're just slowly as a society starting to make those connections as well. Like healthcare practitioners are coming out with more and more solid studies that are not paid for by big alcohol. So a lot of, a lot of studies out there, um, this is, so this is back to your question what advice looking critically. So a lot of studies, you'll see a lot of, um, magazine articles, um, you know, red one glass of red wine a day is good for your heart. Those studies were all funded by big alcohol. They're like, those are not unbiased scholarly studies, or they were yeah. done in the 1980s yeah. when, and they were funded by big alcohol in the 1980s. And people are still quoting these scientific, the scientific research from the 1980s dated research and journalists, it kills me. Journalists who fact check everything. Don't bother fact checking if this is real or not. But yeah. anyway, um, so I think that's my my advice is like look critically at think and, and find the information and you don't have to quit tomorrow but like yeah definitely like take that first step and um um read the book read this naked mind get and get some non-alcoholic drinks in your hand yes yes i will put a link to uh the book in the show notes for sure um and a link to your website but what's the best way for people to connect with you to follow along with what you're doing yeah, so uh, somegoodcleanfun.com is um, our is the publication. And um, if you sign up for our Friday newsletter, we send out a fr- uh, newsletter every Friday. Um, in that newsletter, we have, you know, we usually send out our weekly or bi-week, sorry, we do a bi-weekly wine review, a non-alcoholic wine review, and then a bi-weekly. Every other week, we try and do some sort of like cocktail or, um, you know, something else that's not wine. And so we kind of balance that out. And um uh, so subscribe to the newsletter and uh, I often send out uh, promo codes for online, uh, online buying drinks online and stuff like that and, and, and subscriber specials. And so if you sign up for the newsletter, you can get access to that. Um, and then on Instagram, you can find me at some good clean fun or at rethinking drinking, which is the publications uh, Instagram account. We do a lot of the recipes and things over there. And then on TikTok, you can find me at uh, Mom Rethinking Drinking. On Mom TikTok, Rethinking so. Drinking. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I personally will be subscribing to the newsletter as soon as we get off our call. <laughs> awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much. It was so great co- talking to you. Like, I feel like you have so much great information to share. It was a true pleasure. Yeah, it was so awesome chatting with you. And thank you so much for this opportunity to share and chat. And hopefully people that are listening, um, you know, will will be inspired to um, take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a good day. This is Keisha signing off on another episode of Done With Debauchery. If you liked what you heard, please share and subscribe. You can also find me at donewithdebauchery.com or follow along on Instagram at Done With Debauchery. Thanks for listening.